0: pray one more time and, uh, and then we'll open up to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Lord, what a blessing it is to be here today, Lord, and just to thank you for who you are, Lord God. You love us, Lord, not in light of us, but in spite of us, God. And I know you're doing a great work in us because your word says that we are your workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. And, and you, we're your project, we're your poem, Lord. And you never give up on us. And I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you that there's no one that can get in the way. There's not a a human being. There's not a demon. There's not a devil that can get in the way of what you want to do. Except us. Individually, I know we can't hinder. But still, you're sovereign. And I thank you for that. Lord, I pray that as we open your word today and as we study the faithfulness of God that you would just plant this truth within our hearts. And Lord, that you would just uh, be glorified, that you would encourage your people, and that we could tuck this one away, Lord, to carry us all the way home. We do love you, Lord. We ask, Lord, please give us that ear to hear what your Spirit is saying. And we pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, One last thing before we start recording. I wanted to uh, just let you guys know every once in a while, because I, I kind of got to mention these things because I don't want to make people stumble. You know, sometimes people come in and they see a new computer or they see, you know, new toys and, you know, whatever. And you know what? I, I would say like 75% of the time it's, it's donated. That someone just... So the Lord just laid it on someone's heart. And they gave it to us. We've never bought a computer here. Can you believe that? As a church, it's always been donated. And, uh, and, and it continues to, to be that way. And so the only reason I mention that is because sometimes people, it's kind of funny how people are, huh? They'll see a, like a new computer, or a new toy or whatever, and they'll say, oh, that's what they're spending their money on, you know? <laughs> Some people are like that. It's just it's sad. But just to let you know, because I don't want you to stumble, that, that, man, most of the stuff has been donated to the church. Someone laid it on someone's heart and they gave it to us. As a matter of fact, since we're going to be here for a little longer, we don't know what's going on with the building thing. We're going to fix up, but we're going to do a few things here in the back. Uh, this is kind of a cool thing, and I'll share this with you guys real quick. Um, the Lord had laid it on, on one of the brothers' heart to lay some uh, They're like, kind of like brick, uh, rock, tile, you know, that brown stuff. You're going to see it uh, eventually. And he wanted to do it. Um, but you know, just I guess that stuff's kind of expensive. And anyways, they were up at the retreat, and they were, he was talking about that. And one of the other guys who heard him talking, he said, "Wow, I have two pallets of that. That's been sitting in this job over here for two years." And uh, and he said, "Do you want it?" He said, "I was going to throw it away, <laughs> you know." And so Gabe said, "Wow, the, the the what's he said the the rock which the builders has rejected has become the chief cornerstone type of thing, <laughs> you know." And so they're going to lay new rock right here, and it's going to, they're going to put some lights, and they're going to put arches right here, because isn't that a plain wall right there? It's really plain, and so we're going to do some little things here. And it's just something the Lord totally laid on these guys' hearts. We're going to be here you know, for a little longer, even though we're still looking around for a facility, but while we're here, we want to try to, to make it nice. And so that way, when you see all these things going on, you just know that the Lord laid it on these guys' hearts, and this is something that they're doing. This is something that he has provided for And uh, and this is cool, man. It's really cool to see not only the way the Lord has provided um, uh, provisions, but he's provided people. He has given us so many beautiful people, and I'm so excited about that because God is a faithful God. And as a matter of fact, that's what we're going to see today. Let's start off over in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 7. As today, we're just going to actually cover the faithfulness of God. And today I really want to let the Bible speak for itself, um, and so we're going to look at a lot of verses. If you want to, you can you know turn with me in your Bibles, and I, I encourage you to do that if you can. If you can't, just jot down the scriptures, and later on you can look them up, and you'll see um, all these things, and the Lord will confirm them to you. But here in Deuteronomy chapter seven, we see in verse nine where. Moses says, Therefore, know that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commandments. Today we're going to study the faithfulness of God. I want you guys to know that this is the God that we serve. He's flawlessly faithful. And that means He's loyal, He's true, and everything he says he will do. The faithfulness of God carries me because one thing I know that, you know, although I strive to be a faithful man, the reason, though, that I stand here is not because of my faithfulness. And the reason you sit there is not because of your faithfulness. The reason that we are Christians and the reason that we still serve him and love him is because of his faithfulness. Because let me tell you something, the day that you make your walk and your work and your life dependent on your faithfulness, that's the day you die. That's the day you begin to struggle. That's the day you lose your joy. Now, of course, in looking at all the different attributes of God, the grace, the love, we've talked about the holiness and all these different things, these are communicable attributes. These are things that we want to emulate as we contemplate and meditate upon who He is. But understand that the difference between your grace and His grace and your love and His love and your holiness and His holiness and all these different things is an infinite difference. And although we strive, we will fail. One thing I know is this. and I'm a sinner. I'm a wicked, wretched man. I stand here by the grace of God. And I stand here because my God is a faithful God. And that's the thing that we, we in, are encouraged in today. You know, when you committed your life to Jesus Christ, you entered into a covenant with Him. And the Bible says right here in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9, that your God is a faithful God who keeps His covenant. You know, I was talking to my son a little bit about this. And I don't know how we ended up coming to this part of the conversation. But, um, you know, right, I guess in the days that we live in, what we see is that you have to sign a contract and you have to go through all this paperwork and things like that in order to make a covenant true. But, you know, in the olden days, I guess you could say, it was just a matter of your word. You know, if you said, you know, you were going to do something, I mean, you know, they might put your hand under the hip or kind of do weird things like that, you know, but it was just your word. And, and that's the, the type of God that we serve. He's a faithful God who will keep his word. Although we do have the Bible, I thank God for that. It's just his word. And he will keep his word for us. God is a faithful God. We read in 1 Corinthians 1, 1.9, it says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, the cool thing about this is in Deuteronomy chapter 7, we see the beginning, God's faithfulness. He enters into the covenant. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, we see that God is a faithful God even to the Corinthians who were not a perfect church. Now, we're not a perfect church. There's no such thing as a perfect church. There's no such thing as a perfect Christian on this side of time. We all sin, we fail. But God is a faithful God. He said that to the Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, first letter. He said it again in his second letter to them in chapter 1, verse 18. God is faithful. We see it in the beginning, Deuteronomy 7, verse 9, and we're going to see it all the way in the end, Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, where it says, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. That's Jesus' name. That's how important it is. That's how deeply it is embedded in the character of God. One day we're going to be home. Why? Because God said so. And he keeps his word. He never changes. He's faithful and true. He started the covenant, and he's going to end the covenant. He said he's going to judge this world, and he will. Why? Because he's faithful and true. He's not like us. You just never know. I mean, you know, there's some guys that their word carries weight, and sometimes they'll say something, and you can almost always take it to the bank, but it's not 100%, right? It's not 100%. Um, you know, but God's is. I think I've shared with you guys before the way that you know I failed my wife, and you know because of the fact that I have failed her a few times, you know it kind of you know she rocks our world a little bit. And so every time we leave the house, she always checks the door to make sure that I locked I, I I locked it. You know, she doesn't believe me. She'll ask me, "Did you lock the door?" And I say, "Yeah, I locked it." But I know it doesn't really matter what I say that she's going to go check anyways. And you want to know why she goes and checks? Because, well, not now it's two times. Two times in our life I have forgotten to lock the door. And so two times out of what, you know, 150 years or whatever, how old we are, you know, I failed her. But because of that, you know, there's an element of, well, I'm not really sure. But see, the thing is, is that we have to know God has never failed us. Not a day has gone by where the sun did not rise. Not a day has gone by in our life where the love of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God hasn't fallen on our life. He's kept us through all the trials. It doesn't mean that He's kept us from the trials, but He's kept us in the trials. Why? Because He's a faithful God. He's loyal. He's true. He will take care of us. And it's important for us to know this attribute of God, that God is flawlessly faithful. As a matter of fact, we should have a desire to display this in our life. Uh, We know that was the heart of George Mueller. George Mueller, think about this. He was a pastor for more than 60 years. And yet he's best known for the way he prayed and depended completely upon God to take care of his ministry to the orphans. And when you study the life of George Mueller, and I encourage every Christian to read his uh, his little uh, biography, his journals, it's awesome how God in his life took care of 10,000 orphans in his life. It's amazing because he knew that God was faithful and he wanted the whole world to know it. Just like today, I want you to know, and this is just something I'm saying, but hopefully it'll be something that I will live. I want you to know that no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're going to face in life, that God is faithful that God will provide for all your needs, that God will never take a day off, never, not one day off, not one moment off. He's faithful, even though we're not. And that's very comforting to me. George Mueller, in his biography, said this, If I, a poor man, simply by prayer and faith, obtained without asking any individual the means for establishing and carrying on an orphan house, There would be something which, with the Lord's blessing, might be instrumental in strengthening the faith of the children of God, besides being a testimony of the consciences of the unconverted, of the reality of the things of God. This, then, was the primary reason for establishing the orphan house. Okay, What was the real reason that he established the orphan house? And I think most of us would say, well, because of the orphans, right? But that wasn't the primary reason. Listen to the real reason. He said, this then was the primary reason. The first and primary object of the work was and still is that God might be magnified by the fact that the orphans under my care are provided with all they need only by prayer and faith without anyone being asked by me or by my fellow laborers, whereby it may be seen that God is faithful still. And he answers prayers. That's how important it is. I agree with George Mueller 100%. That's how important it is that we live by faith, that we are an example, and we don't have to go around asking for money and things like that because we just pray and the Lord provides. And then people look at us or they look at the church or whatever it is, and they're like, wow, God really is the provider. And that's what George Mueller said. We need to know that we serve a faithful God. Let's look a, a real, just a little bit into what faithfulness means. The Hebrew word for faithfulness means firm and steady. It speaks of someone who is trustworthy and honest. It communicates a certain certainty about the individual. You know, some people, you just never know who's going to show up. Okay, that's not faithfulness. Faithfulness is a consistency. Faithfulness is a loyalty. Faithfulness is an honesty. That's who God is. Faithfulness is a man or woman who's true to their word. You know, the Greek word for faithfulness speaks of that certain certainty. Again, it speaks of a person of truth. One who is observant to, steadfast and true to his word or promise. The Bible dictionary defines the faithful and faithfulness as reliable. Reliable. Can you rely on this individual, trustworthy and loyal? It goes on to say that which is faithful is steady, true, and established. And it says that the supreme example of faithfulness is God. He can be trusted. Why? Because he is completely trustworthy. The Old Testament views faithfulness as one of the most wonderful of God's qualities. We are secure. Why? Because of his faithfulness. And that's very important for us to understand. He is a faithful God. See, when we don't believe in the faithfulness of God, we become fearful people. And we step out and we begin to do things that are outside of the will of God. God is glorified and God is blessed and honored when His people believe in Him when they believe that He is a faithful God. God's faithfulness is awesome, you guys. It's great. It's infinite. It's, it's, not, it's not a feeble faithfulness, just in case you're wondering, man. It is a flawless faithfulness. As a matter of fact, in Psalms 36, verse 5, it says, Your mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Now, one of the things you'll see is mercy and faithfulness within the Bible. They go together almost hand in hand. He is faithfully Exerting His mercy toward us, and I know I need that because every once in a while my sins begin to stack up, you know, and they're gonna go higher and higher. Next thing you know, they're out the out the house and they're going up. They're like a telephone pole. <laughs> my sins are going higher and higher, and God says, "Well, one thing I want you to know is that My mercy and My faithfulness they're 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 way up in the sky. They're like the clouds. They're in the heavens." I got you covered, God says. See, God is faithful to exercise His attributes. You know, we've been studying His attributes, His grace, His love, and all these different things, but He's faithful and loyal and true to His Word in that He exercises them. He doesn't just say, I love you. He loves you. That's the way He is. He doesn't just say, I'll provide for you, I'll take care of you. He does it. Why? Because He's faithful. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, it says, Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Because His compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You know, the Lord is so awesome, man. I love new days. I love mornings. I love new starts. But today, even in the morning, as I was contemplating this, Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, your mercies are new every morning. You guys have heard the song, right? You've heard this scripture before. Uh, what happened was I kind of blew it in the morning. And I said, Okay, Lord, do I have to wait until tomorrow to get things right? You know, <laughs> how does this work? And it's not the way it works, man. God's faithfulness is just constant. And his mercy just covers us. You know, a lot of times we want to get all excited. We want to get excited about being a good person. We want to get, we get excited about this person over there. They're such a good person. Don't do that. Because they will fail you. You will fail yourself. What we need to do is get caught up in the fact that we have a good God. He alone is Faithful. You know, I thank God for the men and women God's put in my life, my pastors, individuals that are mentors, and I look up to them to a certain extent. But it's nothing like I do God. You know, the other day I had the opportunity to share at the um, community center, just a couple of words. You know, they didn't want me to do a, a preaching or anything. They wanted me just to kind of pray for the salad and just kind of move on with the, with the night and everything. And so, you know, I, I, they were honoring the, uh, you know, these uh, police officers who had done um, meritorious awards and works and things like that. And so I did tell them, you know, what? thank God for these men who have, you know, they go out there. Maybe they don't die every day, but they're willing to die every day. They go out there, and some of the police officers I've talked to, anyways, they're good guys. They want to keep the peace. You know, I'm sure not all of them are, but man, the ones that I've talked to, they're really doing a good job. And so I was telling them, you know, you know, these guys are good guys. You you know, good guys. I said, but remember, the best of men are men at best. And I told them, you need God, and we need God desperately. We need God. Don't rely on your own faithfulness. As a matter of fact, what ends up happening is when you get caught up on his faithfulness, you become more of a faithful individual. That's the way it works. But still, our focus is on the Lord. Psalms 119.90. It says, Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You establish the earth and it abides. Oh Lord God of hosts says in Psalm 89 verse 8, Who is mighty like you? Oh, Lord, listen to this. Your faithfulness also surrounds you. Isn't that amazing? His faithfulness is so great. It's like the clouds in heaven. It's everlasting. And his faithfulness, the Bible says, it surrounds him. It's kind of like, you know, he lives in that atmosphere. T.H. Spurgeon said, he dwells in faithfulness. It is said to be the girdle of the loins of his only begotten son, who is the express image of his person. None in all creation is faithful as he is. Even his angels might prove faithless if he left them to themselves, but he cannot lie unto David or forget to keep his oath. Men often fail in truth because their power is limited and then they find it easier to break their word than to keep it. But the strong Jehovah is equal to all his engagements and will assuredly keep them. You see, when you study the Bible, you see this God is just, He's covered with His faithfulness. Not a day will go by, not a moment in your life in which God is not watching over you and protecting you. Why? Because He will never change. He's immutable. And because of that, we see that we find comfort. We should be encouraged by His faithfulness. As a matter of fact, if you go over to Psalm 37, Here's a familiar verse and says in Psalm 37, notice in verse 3, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. The first thing I want to establish is God is a faithful God and His faithfulness is an amazing faithfulness. It reaches to the heavens, the clouds. He's surrounded in His faithfulness. And so God says, because of who I am, I want you to feed on my faithfulness. I want you to feed on it. You know, and it's a real interesting Hebrew word right here. You know, it speaks of enjoying safe pasture. Literally, it speaks of being faithfully fed. It really carries the idea of having a good and great shepherd. And that's what he says right there. Trust in the Lord. You know, do good. Dwell in the land. Rest in the land. Stay in the land. And and as you're there, just feed on his faithfulness. Watch the way that your shepherd takes care of you. You know, and and what happens, you guys, is this. You know, a lot of times people, well, I want to grow, I want to grow. Yes, we all need to grow. We definitely need to grow. We're going to go through trials and things like that. But as you find yourself going through all the trials, God says, watch what I do each and every day, and I want you to feed on my faithfulness. How many of you here have ever died of hunger? Just out of curiosity. (laughs) No, no one's here ever died of hunger. I and mean, probably none of, none of us here have ever really experienced what true hunger is unless you've fasted for an extended period of time. But, you know, God is faithful. God takes care of us. You know, I have a confession on the way over here. It was weird. I don't know if I've ever done this before, but I was getting on the freeway and what ended up happening was I didn't have time to react or anything. I was getting on the freeway and a squirrel, he ran right in front of me. And I heard a I know, and I felt it, da-da. and i was telling my son i said oh i feel so terrible i i just killed this squirrel because i looked in my rearview mirror sure enough there it was you know plastered to the the asphalt and and so can you visualize that no i'm just joking (laughs) and um you know so he's all dad why do you feel so bad It, you know it's just an animal and i'm all i don't know i just feel oh it's an awful feeling i feel bad uh, and he said, well, do you think that God you know, knew about that? And you know, he brought me back to my senses. And I, and I said, yeah, you know what God did? The Bible says not a sparrow falls to the ground. He doesn't know about it. And there's not a hair on your head that he doesn't know about, no matter how curly or straight or how few or how much you have. And there's not a thought that you can think. There's not a heartbeat that he's not you know, part of. I mean, we've got to feed on that faithfulness. And when we feed on that faithfulness, I think what ends up happening is we become healthy sheep who learn even more and more to trust in their shepherd. You guys, he's taking care of you. You're still here. Maybe your life's not everything that you wanted it to be. But I would say, because God is so sovereign and gracious and awesome, that probably for most of us here, your life is everything that he wanted it to be. And as you continue through these trials of life, you're going to find that when you come out on the other side, that you will come out as gold. And not just cheap gold. Pure, strong gold. And we got to feed on His faithfulness. You know, God is faithful even when we're not. And I'll be honest with you, I really find comfort with that verse because I know that I'm not there yet. I don't know about you, but I know that I'm not there yet. You know, the Lord in His dealing with the children of Israel said in Nehemiah 9.33, However, you are just in all that has befallen us, for you have dealt faithfully, but we have done wickedly. And there's probably a lot of us here today who if we were to take a synopsis of our life and a summary of our life, You know, there's been more wickedness than there has been blessedness in all reality. But here you are in the love of God. Here you are with all your sins washed away. You're forgiven. You're free. You're a Christian. You're going to heaven and He's using your life. And even though we've done wickedly, really, in comparison to who He is, He has dealt faithfully with us. And that's an encouraging thought. One guy said this, whomever falls from God's right hand is caught in his left. And you know, God would never let you fall. I think he'll keep you. But if you jump out, he'll, he'll catch you. <laughs> He's really awesome. That's how faithful God is. As a matter of fact, Second 2 Timothy 2.13 says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. Why? Because he cannot deny himself. And that's an encouraging scripture right there because there are times when, i got to be honest with you, man, I, I doubt and I want to quit and I don't believe like I should. And you know, if God was there just kind of giving me everything that I asked for and just kind of, you know, okay, all right, that, that's where you're at, then you know what, man, I would be, I, I don't know where I would be. I'd be dead. But see, God's not like that. He Even when we're faithless, He's faithful Why? Because he cannot deny himself. He's entered into this covenant relationship with us. And he takes care of us as his children. I mean, he will correct us because of his faithfulness. Don't get me wrong. Psalm 119, verse 75. Listen to what this says. It says, I know, O Lord, that your judgments are right and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. How many of you here can say that some of the things that you're going through are because of some of the mistakes that you've made. Some of the sins that we've committed, right? And, you know, we're kind of you know, going through and we're reaping the consequences of, of, our, of our sins. But even in that, God is faithful. Because who knows, man? Okay, who knows? Maybe if everything was hunky-dory, you wouldn't be serving the Lord. And so where would you rather be? Would you rather be in a hunky-dory place not serving the Lord? Or would you rather be in the fire serving the Lord? Because sometimes those afflictions that we hate and we just don't want are God's way of being faithful in our life. For some of you here, and I know your testimonies, man, that's what brought you to the Lord. You went through something and you just, oh no, this is a crazy thing that's going to happen now. And you're wondering what's going to happen. And what ended up happening was it brought you to Jesus Christ. And and I I think that's an awesome thing. See, God is faithful. And in knowing that faithfulness, there's some very practical elements. One of them, if you would, turn over to Titus chapter 1. In Titus chapter 1, notice what it says in verse 9, because this is really rooted in this whole truth of faithfulness, because you're like, okay, well, what does that mean? Look what it says here in verse 9. It says, holding fast the faithful word, as he has been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. Paul here, right here, is giving, you know, basically qualifications for a bishop. And one of the things that he has to do is he has to hold fast the faithful word. And, you know, it doesn't matter though whether you're a bishop, a pastor, an elder, a leader, an overseer. The thing that we have to do is to hold fast the faithful word, that we have to know that his word is faithful. You know, Joshua chapter 21, verse 45, it says that not one word has failed. And that was when the Lord was dealing with the children of Israel. And one day when we're, when we're there and we're in heaven, and I don't, this is going to be so cool, we're going to look back, or maybe we're going to be there at our deathbed. I don't know how it's going to work either then or later, but we're going to look back, and we are going to testify as we stay focused on Christ that not one word has failed. And we have to hold fast the faithful word. We have to be in the word. And as you're there and you possess the promises, God encourages you in your life. Revelation 21, verse 5, it says, Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Revelation 22, 6 says the same thing. These words are true and faithful. And so we can count on the word of God. And what it does is it alters our view and we find our trust in his truth. You know, do you believe God's word is true? Do you stand on the promises? Really? I mean, if you were doing the paperwork, you would say, yes, God's word is true. But sometimes I talk to people who come to church here and I wonder if they really do believe that. Because it's got to be lived out and, it, and God wants to encourage you in that. You know what? This church is His church. He will build His church. I, I don't worry about that. Why? Because He says in Matthew sixteen eighteen, 18, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I find comfort in that. And you can find comfort in that. And the word never comes back void. And just all the different promises that you can really stand on. And all the fears that you have, all the worries and concerns, it's only because you're not taking God at His word. You know, talk to someone who knows the word and say, give me a scripture for this situation. Because there's always something, man. He's faithful, even when you don't see it. You know, I mentioned earlier about George Mueller. He prayed for 51 years for his friends, and they all didn't get saved until after he died. (laughs) But God's Word is faithful. God hears our cries. As a matter of fact, I was reading a story uh, about a man named Roger Sims, and one day he was hitchhiking. How many of you here have hitchhiked? Just out of curiosity. Okay, so there was a day when hitchhiking was kind of okay, huh? I don't think it is anymore, uh, but it would be kind of exciting. Anyways, Roger Sims was hitchhiking his way home, and he said he'd never forget the date. It was May 7th, and he had his heavy suitcase, and he was tired. And so he was anxious to take off his Army uniform once and for all. He was done with the military duty. And so flashing the hitchhiking sign to the oncoming car He lost hope, however, when he saw it was a black, sleek, new Cadillac. Imagine that. But to his surprise, the car stopped. The passenger door opened, and he ran toward the car. He tossed his suitcase in the back, and he thanked the handsome, well-dressed man as he slid into the front seat. And he said, going home for keeps? And he said, I sure am, Roger said. Well, you're in luck if you're going to Chicago. Well, not quite that far. Do you live in Chicago? I have a business there, he said. My name is Hanover. And so after talking about many things, Roger, who was a Christian, he felt a compulsion to witness to this 50-ish, apparently successful businessman about Jesus Christ. But he kept putting it off. He kept putting it off until he realized when he was just 30 minutes away from his home that it was now or never. And so Roger, he kind of cleared his throat and he said, Mr. Hanover, I would like to talk to you about something very important. And then he proceeded to explain the way of salvation to him. Ultimately, he asked Mr. Hanover if he would like to receive Christ as his Savior. To Roger's astonishment, the Cadillac pulled over to the side of the road. And so Roger thought he was going to kick him out of the car. (laughs) But what happened was the businessman bowed his head and received Christ right there and then. And he thanked Roger. And he told Roger, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened In my life, and so five years went by, and Roger married, and he had a two-year-old son, and he had a business of his own. And packing his suitcase for a business trip to Chicago, he found the small white card that Mr. Hanover had given him five years ago. And so, when he was in Chicago, he looked up Hanover Enterprises, and when he went there, receptionist told him that it was impossible to see Mr. Hanover, but he could see Mrs. Hanover. And so a little confused as to what was going on, he, ushered, he was ushered into an office, and he, and he found himself facing a keen-eyed woman in her 50s. She extended her hand, and she said to him, well, you knew my husband? And Roger told her how her husband had given him a ride when hitchhiking home after the war. And mm-hmm. she said, well, can you tell me when that was? And she said, he said, it was May 7th. It was five years ago. I remember the day I was discharged from the army. Anything special about that day, she said. Roger hesitated. And should he mention that witness that he gave? But since he came this far, he said, I might as well take the plunge. And he said, Mrs. Hanover, I I shared the gospel with him. He pulled over to the side of the road and wept against the steering wheel. He gave his life to Christ that day. As soon as he shared the story, explosive sobs shook her body. And then finally, getting a grip on herself, she said, I had prayed for my husband's salvation for years. I believed God would save him. Anne said, Roger, where is your husband, Mrs. Hanover? And she said, he's dead. He was killed in the crash after he let you out of the car. He never made it home. And she said, you know, I thought God had not kept his promise. Sobbing uncontrollably, she said, I stopped living for God five years ago because I thought he didn't keep his word. But now I know he is faithful. And he is faithful, you guys. You see, that's the God that we serve. We must continue to pray. We must continue to serve the Lord. We must continue to share his son. Beautiful story. Time after time again. You see, God's word is faithful and God's word is true. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Don't waver anymore. Be strong. Why? For he who's promised is faithful. God wants to encourage us in that. God's word is faithful and true. When we truly exercise faith in the faithful one, God will then use our lives, and wonderful things will happen. You know, we read about Sarah in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. It says, By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age. Why? Because she judged him that was faithful who had promised. Now, she judged him faithful who had promised. Now, it's a real interesting thing when you look at that Sarah and what God did through her life. She judged him faithful. Do you judge him faithful? See, the word judge, it carries the idea of thinking it through and coming to a conclusion and saying, you know, in a final and formal way, God is faithful. And she judged him faithful. And she gave birth to a son when it was past her age. Now, another interesting thing about that is when you look at Sarah's life, you realize that she wasn't always that way, huh? I mean, she laughed when God had given the promise to Abraham. She laughed about that. So her faith wasn't a perfect faith. Anybody here identify? Can identify with that, you know? I mean, we go through our doubts. We go through our times and our valleys and things like that. But the Lord lifts up Sarah and He says, I want you to know that she went through her down times and she had her days of discouragement. But she came to a point and she made a judgment. she's made a final and formal conclusion that God is faithful. And what happened was she really believed. And because of that, she conceived. And that's what will happen in our life. Man, when we really believe God is faithful, God is going to use us. God is going to do great works through our life. Daniel eleven thirty two: 32. Those who know their God will carry out great exploits for Him, right? It's so true, you guys. God's Word is faithful. You see, when you know His will and His ways and His Word, that He's faithful and true, it carries us through the hard times. As a matter of fact, if you go over to 1 Peter over to the right a little more in chapter 4. Notice what it says in verse 19. It says, Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to Him in doing good as to the faithful Creator. You know, you're going through hard times. What does God tell you to do? Just commit your soul to Him. That's all. Commit your soul to Him. He's faithful. And he's true. It's very practical when you look at these things. Another very practical element of God's faithfulness is over in First Corinthians chapter ten, if you would turn there. Because you know, you're you're like going through life, and I don't want this to be like some vague thing. You know, you need to know that God is constantly watching over you, that is God is faithful every day, even when we're not. Now that doesn't encourage you, I'm not telling you to go out and be unfaithful, but man, he's loyal. He's true, and He's consistent. And every time, every single time, God will come through. I tell my wife that sometimes. Every once in a while, we'll get in a little, you know, whatever you call it, a scuffle. And, uh, you know, we we, we come through it, and you know what? We get our eyes on the Lord, and I tell her, God always saves the day. He always saves the day because He's an awesome God. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, notice what it says in verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. In other words, the things that you're going through, other people are going through it. You're not the only one. And so he says, but God is faithful. See, the enemy will lie to you and tell you yours is a very unique situation. Yours is one of a kind. And God says, no, yours is not one of a kind. I want you to know you're not alone in the sense that there are so many other brothers and sisters going through the very same thing you're going through. And then the enemy will try to lie to you again and say, well, God's not faithful. Because look what happens right here. He says, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond which you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape. Why? That you may be able to bear it. Because, see, we don't want to bear it. We want to bury it, man. We want out. And God says, no, I'll I'll help you through this. What you're going through and all the different temptations that we go through, a lot of times people say, well, you know what? That was just too much for me. You know, I'm a a single man, you know, and this happened. And, I, I, you know, no, you can wait on the Lord. God will give you strength to be pure. And whatever the situation is, God says, I will will carry you through each and every time of temptation. God is faithful. See, these are very practical things. God will never fail you. God will be there. He'll provide a way of escape. There's the exit sign. Exit signs everywhere. That's the way it is in times of temptation. Right? But a lot of times we we don't like that now. What happens, though, if you do fail? Have you ever sinned? <laughs> Have you ever failed? Aren't you grateful, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness? God is awesome. God is a faithful God. You know, one of the encouragements for us as Christians is healing in heaven. And, you know, sometimes when I go to a hospital visit, I, I share the verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. And some of us here, how, how many of you here have bo- problems with your body? I'm getting to that age now. I get out of bed and first I have to start off in first gear. <laughs> and then I'm able to kind of, after a while, second gear. It's weird. I never used to be that way. But there's something happening. And so pray for me. I'm sure a lot of you guys are like that, right? One day, though, I'm going to receive a new body. And a lot of us here are emotionally damaged. And there's this, you know what? We have scars. We have things that we've gone through in life. People have hurt us tremendously. They've said things to us that just, oh, man, it's just tough. But one day, there'll be a new soul. One day, a new body, soul, spirit, he who calls you is faithful who will do it and it's so cool when you just bask in the faithfulness of god be encouraged about your future why because he is faithful god is good he really does plan us and protect us you're maybe some of you here are thinking and maybe some of you here are the target of the devil the target of demons not all of us here are experiencing the same type of spiritual warfare. Some of you here are on fire for the Lord, and therefore you're a target of the enemy, big time. Others of you here are on the outskirts, and sometimes the enemy will focus on them. You know, there's just an evil day in all of our lives. But listen to what the Bible says, 2 Thessalonians 3.3, 3, But the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. You see? God will guard you. It's so cool when you see his faithfulness. You know, and in looking at this and all the attributes of God, I hope and pray that you're blessed, not just because of what God does, but because of who he is and how he is. But I just want to close with this, you guys, to remember that in looking at the attributes of God, it also should be a stimulation for us to be like him. He is holy, we should be holy. He is gracious, we should be gracious. He is just, we should be just. He is love, we should be loving. The Lord said in Matthew 5.48, Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. And I encourage you guys, although we're not going to attain (laughs) to His degree, there are elements. God wants to work in our life. And God wants you to be a faithful man. And God wants you to be a faithful woman. As a matter of fact, just real quick, I just want to share with you some scriptures that encourage you in faithfulness. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 20, verse 6, most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? I'm faithful, I'm faithful. Are you really? They're rare, they're rare to find. Hosea oh Ephraim, what shall I do to you? O Judah, what shall I do to you? For your faithfulness is like a morning cloud and like the early dew, it goes away. Maybe you're faithful for a moment, maybe a minute, and we get all excited and God says, it doesn't take long and it doesn't take much, huh? And then you're gone. Psalm 12, verse 1, it says, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceases, for the faithful disappear from the son's I mean, David looking for those types of individuals hard to find. But when you do, just let the Lord do the work in your life. When you get caught up in His consistency and His loyalty and His faithfulness and His beauty and who He is, it's so cool because then I think it begins to stimulate you to be the same way. Proverbs 28.20, it says, A faithful man will abound with blessings. I like that. And one day when we uh, are there in the presence of the Lord and you know we're being judged at the Bema seat, that's, that's, that'll be the issue, whether or not we're faithful. Hopefully we'll hear the words like we read in Matthew 25, 21. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. See, what's God looking for? And oh, hey, is she fine? Is he fine? Is he funny? Is he famous? Is he fabulous? No. Is he faithful? Faithful. Faithful in the small things. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, Moreover, it's required in stewards that one be found faithful. Faithfulness in everything, in the little things, in the thoughts of the mind, the minutes of the day, the pennies in the bank. Because faithfulness is a character that should permeate our life. As a matter of fact, Luke 16.10 It says, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And that's where we should be. I read a story about a German king. His name is King Henry III. And what had happened was he grew tired of the court life and the pressures of being a monarch And so what he did is he applied to a monastery to be accepted for a life of contemplation. This king wanted to be a monk. And so the religious superior of the monastery, his name was Prior Richard, is reported to have said to the king, Your Majesty, do you understand that the pledge here is one of obedience? That will be hard because you have been a king. Henry then replied, I understand. The rest of my life, I will be obedient to you as Christ leads you. Okay, then I will tell you what to do, said Prior Richard. Go back to your throne and serve faithfully in the place where God has placed you. When King Henry III died, a statement was written, the king learned to rule by being obedient. Like King Henry III, we too often tire of our role and responsibilities in life. Like King Henry III, we too need to be reminded that God has placed each of us in a particular place to be faithful there. Be it as a plumber, an accountant, especially as a mother or a father, whatever God expects us to do, I encourage you to be faithful in that place. And you might ask, well, how long, Manny? How long do I have to do this? Okay, one last scripture, Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. It says, be faithful until death. <laughs> and God said, I will give you the crown of life. And so I am so blessed with the faithful God that we have. I encourage you guys to go out and to emulate his character, his attributes. And as you do that. God will do a great work. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are. Lord, for the amazing God that you are, Lord. I pray that today as we just looked at the faithfulness of who you are, Lord, that it would encourage us, Lord God, that you don't take a day off, a moment off, a second off, that, Lord, you're over everything, Lord. You're in control. And and really there's nothing to be afraid of. As a matter of fact, today... I pray that we would feed on your faithfulness. As I look back over my years, Lord, my 43 years, I can honestly say that you have been faithful. And for whatever days, months, weeks, years, I don't know how much longer I have, I know this, that you will continue to be faithful. And so, Lord, we pray that you would encourage us today in your love and in your truth, and that you bless your congregation, Father. Thank you so much for who you are, Lord, for how you are, for taking care of us. We do love you, Lord. We pray that you would just continue to work in us and we know that you will because your word says that you will, Lord, that he who began a good a work in you, he'll be faithful to complete it. What a wonderful, wonderful promise, Lord. Send us out, Lord, into the world, into the highways and byways, into the valleys and alleys with a passion, with a fire, Lord. Send us out into the lost world, Lord God, with the love of the Lord Jesus Christ in our hearts and the message of the gospel on our lips, Lord. Lord, zap us. Lord, give us a zeal like never before, Father. Send us out with the name of Jesus, Lord God. And then when people look at us and they wonder, wow, what is it about them? Hopefully, Lord, they will know that we have been with Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you so much. Bless your people. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand.